Hello legends, welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today we're catching up with my good friend, Taz Costi, the founder and CEO of commercial buyers agency, Costi Cohen. Taz has partnered up with Lux Listings star Simon Cohen, founder and CEO of Cohen Handler, to create Australia's most reputable brand uh, representing commercial property buyers. Taz hasn't just started a business, he's forging a new industry here in commercial purchasing in Australia. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Taz. It is a very special episode for me today because uh, not only are you revolutionizing an industry at the moment, but you're also happen to be one of my best mates from from my high school days, uh, a supporter of Cub, uh, and also live in my building. So, <laughs> so Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. I'm very excited to get you on. Uh, and man, I'm very excited for this project that you're currently working on because, like I said, you're not you haven't just started a business. Um, you, you've really, you, you're paving a way for a new industry, which is uh, commercial buyers agents. Correct. And I know there's buyers agents because your business partner, Simon Cohen, who, yep. who's also been a longstanding member of the club yep. um, and is now on uh, the hit TV series, uh, Lux Listings, is your business partner. And he's he's obviously got the, the I guess, the premier and largest buyers agency in the country. Correct. And now you've... Uh, become business partner with Simon. That's right. Launched Costi Cohen. How'd you get your name first? Uh, honestly, just by chance. Yeah. I think it flowed flo- flo- off the tongue pretty well. So I think we, we got the Costi in front. Beautiful. I, I like that. Costi yeah. Cohen. And and, and, uh, and what's the ambitions with Costi Cohen? What's what's kind of the goal? The goal right now is is to remain and st- keep a longstanding uh, business in terms of commercial buyers agency. I mean, we've, we've revolutionized the fact that it is one of the first dedicated commercial buyers agencies in the country, um, giving Australia the service that really hasn't been offered before. There's been a lot of independence in the past, but never really an agency has been dedicated to people that can buy commercial property. And it, it's, it's I guess, really important because a lot of people that buy commercial property are super high net worth people, business people, yeah. and which probably means they're pretty busy and they need a representative to help them find great assets to purchase, no matter how big or, or, or small. And so that's kind of the premise, isn't it? As a buyer's agent, you- Exactly. So just maybe educate us on how, how it works, what's, what's the process, what the process is to, towards how it actually works. Yeah, so I mean, we're dealing with anyone from mums and dads up to ASIC listed funds. I mean, it's it's pretty exciting stuff. So to to actually understand someone's mandate in terms of what they want to buy uh, before, before we're engaged. So yep. you know right now I'm, I'm buying a couple of commercial properties. Yeah. I should have probably gone through you. <laughs> Talk about that after. But but so I would have come to you. Yep. And I would have been like, actually, you know what? You should search for us for the Sydney oh, one. There we go. But um, so uh, so I would come to you. Yep. And um, I would say, hey, Taz, this is what I want. Yep. Um, and then what happens from there? Correct. So so once we we make sure we can achieve the brief, we go out there and we're engaged. We go out there and flush the entire market for what's out there. So say you've got 
Um, I'm looking for the next clubhouse. Um, I'm, I've got, you know, X amount to spend. I need about this much area. Um, these are the streets. These are the areas. This is the place that I want to be in. Uh, we make sure we can achieve that. We go out there. We flush the entire market for what's out there. So we're speaking to agents. We're speaking to owners. We're speaking to any possibility that will get us into a door to get you a transaction, to get you the best price. We're doing it. And what? And so, obviously, you would. I'm assuming a lot of your job would be having like good relationships with agents Correct. and things like. that. I mean, that. we've got a huge network. I mean, thousands of agents, thousands of vendors that that do contact us directly as well. Um, but in most cases, yes, it is it is an agent network that that we do leverage off. So okay, so then you find the property, you give your, um, uh, you'd give me the like the best options. Hey, this is what we're thinking. Correct. So we present them to you. Yeah. Um, I don't have to buy them, obviously. No. But no. if I like one of them, I think yeah. that's the one. I buy it and you guys get a, a small percentage clip. Is that correct? Correct. So correct. What, what percentage typically would be? Well, well it would range. I mean, we, we're buying anything from two to 200 million. So really okay. right now, I mean, we're, we're anywhere in between. It could range from, you know, it could range up to two, 2.2%. It could go right. down to as little as sort of, you know, one and a half percent in some cases. So, And I'd assume when you're buying the rural expensive properties, it, it goes down. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Okay, cool. And- and um, how did you actually meet Simon? Did you know, have you known Simon? Because I, obviously Simon's one of the founding members of the Cub as well. Yeah, yeah. But I, you didn't meet Simon. I actually Simon think through. you knew Simon before I did. Really? So, yeah. Yeah, how could? Yeah. And, and yeah, because I didn't introduce you. How did you, yeah. how did that end up happening that yeah. you ended up bumping into him and starting the business? Yeah, so I was, I was actually leaving, um, in, I was even in the property development industry at the time. Um, I went on a holiday with my partner, Shani, and, and uh, friend Gavin. Um, Rubenstein. Rubenstein. And Shane and Gavin are also on the Lux listing show Correct. now. Which yeah, is exactly kind of right. So world. it's pretty intertwined. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're away. We're sitting on a beach in Mykonos and I, I just had the idea. I mean, I, at the time I was buying a lot of commercial property for property development, okay, for the company that I was at. Um, and then and then from that point, we I just kept floated this idea. I mean, had people asking me, you know, can you negotiate on this? Can you find me this? Um, and, and so it came to a point where we're sitting on a beach in Mykonos and I – I turned to Gavin. I said, "Well, what are your thoughts on commercial buyers agencies?" Like, he's like, "What? Like, I don't think it's been done before." Um, he's like, "But you know, you should have a chat to Simon Cohen." So we, we were on the beach in Mykonos. Get back to Sydney. Tee up a meeting with Simon. Sit in the Simon. Sit in the meeting with Simon. The first five minutes of us being in that meeting, he pretty much said, "Yes, done. We we need. We're ready to go. We don't have anyone for it. No one really does it, uh, but everyone's asking us to do it." So. Um, so Gavin actually made the introduction. Correct. Good on him. Yeah. He's coming on the show very soon. Been, okay. We've been speaking to his people and, and uh, we're going to do an episode. But, Excellent. But that's a great story. And so Simon was obviously like mad. Uh, I'm already the biggest buyer's agent for residential property. Yep. The next step for me is obviously to get into commercial. Mm. I've got the, the perfect business partner now, uh, which is obviously – that's normally the hardest part to expand and scale to have new sectors is actually finding a partner to do it, the, the right person to help you do exactly that. Exactly right. And it didn't happen overnight either. Keep in mind, like we we said, you know what, let's start a division within Cohen Handler first. Let's make sure that this works. I mean, you can't just go straight into it. I mean, we we started We made sure it worked over over a few years. And then, you know, fast forward to February 1st this year that we launched Costi Cohen. So, oh, so how long was the process towards – how, did you obviously you and Simon would have had to negotiate your exactly deal right? Term. I mean, we, we had partnership agreements, we had everything like that in, into play, but we we wanted to make sure that the service that we we're providing to our clients was it was proven. I mean, we it had a track record. So, and and off the back of that success, we we launched Costi Cohen. And I think for you as well, no, it it was it's really great because not only did you kind of forge a new path and and you're the driving force between, behind Costi Cohen. 
but you also get to go in with uh, with the Cohen, with Simon's brand and, and presence and reputation Correct. in terms of buyer's agency. Exactly. And then uh, I guess also there was the luck factor in that now there's the TV show, yep. which uh, your business partner's on, exactly. your girlfriend's on, <laughs> and, and one of your best mates is on yep. and Gavin's on. Yep. And so you're able to also leverage that um, to, to I guess, it, it's kind of like the best marketing it you is. could ever do, no? Spot on. I mean, we've, we're getting now, since the show's gone live, it's just been – I'd, I'd say every second phone call would be something about Lux listings. If we haven't already spoken about it, it'd be like, well, you know, what about this? What happens next? What's, ha- what's happening on season two? Is Costi Kong going to feature on season two? Yeah. You know, what's- Are you featuring on season two? Uh, Are you allowed stay to- tuned. I mean, yeah. it's, it's coming. <laughs> it, may, it may be coming, it may not. But yeah, yeah I mean, essentially we, we, may, we may be getting a plug. So, I think for Simon, I actually watched the show. Yeah. And I think for Simon, it, it works best because a lot of people- or, Nah, don't get me wrong. It's working great for Gav too. Of but, course. But, but for Simon, buyers agents are less known in terms mm. of um, like real estate agents, everyone uses. Yeah. Buyers agents, yeah, okay, a lot of people know what they are. It's an amazing service. Mm. But I think the show actually brought a lot of awareness to the value that Correct. a buyers agent brings. Like 100%. seeing Simon do uh, the negotiations and, yeah. and, and, and handle his clients and, and the way it shows that he, you know, he's, going for the best price. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it brings great awareness and it actually translates directly to you. Exactly. Because well, it's what you're doing. Exactly right. Uh, but for commercial property. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, besides the fact that I think Simon's, just Simon on his own, I think he's one of the best negotiators out there. But I think even on his own business, I mean, it educates the market for what really a buyer's agent is. Um, so it, it, it gets it, it gets the international audience actually understanding, well, this is, this is the new, this is the new way. This is exactly what we're doing. Um, what Simon's been working on for the past 12 years in his business. So um, now, now that's transcending into, into Costi Cohen. We're doing it for commercial property. So, and, and I mean, his negotiation skills wouldn't have made it easy for you to do negotiations with your business deal. Exactly <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, we got, good we, we got there. I mean, it was very good practice. Yeah. And I think, I think once, once we went through, I mean, it took us a while to get there, but I mean, I, I wouldn't be doing it with anyone else right now. It's, mm. it's just, it's Simon, Simon's just so level headed. He's a, he's a great business partner, great friend. Um, and I think, I think right now, just especially in terms of, in terms of the value that he brings to the business as well, it's, it's, it's incredible. So yeah. he's also a very good person. I've, I've always said that about Simon. He's got a good heart. Like if you exactly. want to have a business partner, you want to make sure that someone that's a, a good 100%. person. And, and, um, when you were looking at the, so obviously you had the idea, yep. you, you spoke to Gavin about it. When you were looking at the industry, mm. at the market, what did you feel that it was lacking like, was there something you knew, okay, this is lacking and this is the gap we're going to fill or? Definitely. So I guess there was, there's a lot, there's a lot of misrepresentation out there. Um, you know, the amount of times it, there's so many good, like really well-performing agents out there that, that, that take care of their service. But then, then, then there is the other side, just with any industry, I guess. But what I think buyer representation was lacking out there was incredible. I mean, there was, there wasn't really anyone to, you know, if someone is spending between two to $200 million, like where's the buyer representation? You know, you've, you're sort of reliant on the selling agent who's representing the vendor to get the best price possible um, to be on their side, but who's actually representing these guys spending the money. Um, Yeah. And so uh, kind of what you're saying is that there was no reputable trusted brand or face correct f- as a as a as an a, as a buyer's agent like a, the agency so exactly giving right. a, a premium trusted um 
brand and team that represents these high end buyers exactly. is kind of what you're doing. So exactly. there was one, yeah, there were one man bands and no one really knew who they were, yep. what, what's going on. So some are great and yep. I'm sure lots are great, but, but um, still it's having that brand representation that, that was missing in the industry. And that's Spot what on. you guys are feeling. Exactly right. And is the ambition to become the biggest, the most premium or yep. what's, what's the goal? Look, one thing, one thing I've, I mean, cause I've, I've come out of construction, I've come out of development. The one thing I always said from the very beginning is that, all our clients had to have premium service. Like service was everything to us. So yes, it's great to be the largest. Yes, it's great to have, you know, the most amount of runs on the board, but essentially I think it really comes down to service. You know, the sort of the idea is that we want our clients to turn back to us and not just buy the one and move on, but more portfolio management. Like we want them to come back and say, you know, we're ready for the next one. You've bought us so well on this one. And and we, we get, like, I get those calls. Like I was on the phone to Hong Kong the other night um, and the client's like, wow, like in one and a half years, we bought an asset for 5.5 mil and now it's worth close to nine, um, which is incredible. And that was just a basic investment. So, I mean, fr- from there and it's just, he, he was like astounded. He's like, I'm ready for number two. Like, let's go. Like mm. he's, he's a solicitor based in Hong Kong and he's, he's just like, I'm ready to go. So, And so you really, your focus is to be known as we provide the best service to our clients. Correct. Confidentiality, all that type of stuff. Always. And just to get back to where kind of where you started in your story because mm. Costi, the Costi name is very well known in seafood. Exactly. You know, why don't you tell us a bit more about uh, where you're from, where you started yeah. um, and kind of, yeah, did you always want to start your own business um, or what was the, you know, what was the, what's the, the pre-Costi yeah. Cohen story? So pre-Costi Cohen, um, from the very, very beginning, yes, it, it is aligned, the name is aligned with seafood. So the, the, what we actually had was, you know, the family business was in seafood. You know, it wasn't wasn't the whole costly seafoods. I mean, we've got a lot of uncles, a lot of yeah. you know, my godfather, uncles, and things like that. That you know, all the costies the are in there. Everyone, everyone's <laughs> yeah. in seafood. Everyone yeah. just jumped in. Everyone yeah. just came from overseas and just jumped yeah. into seafood. So, um, from from that, as you know, as most Greeks do, <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. Um, and if it's not fish and chips, it's fresh fish and whatever else. So. Um, we, we, you know, started off even just for myself, I mean, started off 14, 15 in the fish shop at 5am, you know, shoveling ice and, you know, moving, moving fish around and, you know, learning the art of selling. Like you, you've actually got to learn during that process. You're not just selling fish. I mean, pe- people want be able to take it home. I mean, that, that, that's, that's sort of where it all started from. Um, you know, that, that lasted for close to, you know, four to four to five years. Um, realized that, you know, finishing high school, wanted to move into something else. So, um, got into the construction industry. So started anyway, right from the outset, started from a cadet, moved up to a project manager, um, got into, got into more of the property development space. And then fast forward to today, we're, we're buying commercial property. So. And obviously the market's been very, I guess, I don't even know if this is true, but tumultuous over the past two years yeah. through COVID. Mm. Um, but like I know I've been looking to buy. So I'm curious on your thoughts on where the market is at the moment or how it's been over the past two years. But yeah. for example, I've been looking to purchase commercial property and particularly in Melbourne I was looking because I wanted to buy the next Melbourne clubhouse. Great market. But yeah, but there's nothing for fucking sale. Yeah, exactly. That's because you, you need us. That's why. Oh, do you <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt like it was that the market was getting hammered. Yeah. Like uh, obviously uh, leasing was – there's great leasing deals out there at the moment. Melbourne's empty or, or the city in Sydney could be empty, whatever it is. And I felt like the owners that could afford to hold these assets, a lot of which – our old money families that have owned them for, for decades, they probably don't, they bought them for peanuts and they don't know anything on them. And, and um, a lot of them 
just don't want to sell right now because they're like, well, we're probably not going to get the best price for it. Doesn't who cares? We can afford to hold it. Let's exactly. hold. Is that yep. what's happening? Or? Exactly. I mean, they've got nowhere to put their money into. So, I mean, we're we're seeing one of the the tightest markets out there. I mean, there's no stock on the market. So hence, okay. Why, so there is. I was right to say there, there's not much sales. There's no stock. Sorry. Exactly right. Yeah. So I mean, in in turn, I mean that's that's why that's why people would come to us because we open up the access to off markets. But I mean, essentially, you've got you've got people that don't want to sell because you know one interest rates are so low um you know they they may be getting a premium price at the moment but i mean where where are they going to where are they going to roll their money into so that's yeah well i can relate to that so you're actually saying that some people they're not selling because it's like okay well what am i going to buy then correct where's the money going yeah and so that prevents these these owners from selling exactly right well at least committing to an on-market campaign that's why from our end we're saying well a lot of i mean everything's for sale Mm. And we can expose that. I mean, it, it essentially it does it does open up a lot of off markets. I mean, we used to buy close to eighty percent off market. I mean, now we're sitting at probably ninety percent. Um, so, I mean, buying very little on market, but that's because there is very little on market to buy. So, a lot of deals right now are happening off market. Correct. And why do you think it? What, what do you think causes more off market deals at the moment? I think you know, there's no. I think from from a vendor's perspective, from the owner's perspective. They're not in a position to make a decision straight away. That may have a little bit more time up their sleeve. Um, off market, you may be able to work with the owner to then, you know, negotiate terms. You know, say they they've had their business in there for twelve years, for example. Um, you're you're able to say, you know, well, you know what, I'm, I'm sympathetic to the fact that yes, I want to buy this property, but I can actually say, you know what, give them twelve months to move out, and we'll negotiate the terms, and we can we can get we can get our best price. So, and I I can definitely relate to. Okay, well, where do I put my money? Yeah, because when I was selling my house on Victoria Street in Potts Point, um, great result, by the way. Yeah, of course, it was. It, was, <laughs> it, it, broke, the, it broke every it record. Did, it, it was did. the highest, highest ever yeah. per square meter in Potts Point, yeah. and it was one of the highest in the country, yeah. um, bar a couple massive, like bar the waterfronts in Point Piper. Exactly right. But but do you know why yeah. I got that? Because I had nothing to do with the money. There was no mm. reason for me to sell. Yeah. So I kept. Telling the agent, mm. may as well give Jason Boone a, a big plug. Yeah. I kept saying to him, Booney, I, I, I don't, I got nothing to do with the money. I don't need to sell it. There's absolutely no reason for me to sell it. Yeah. And oh, you, this is a crazy price. It's a record breaking <laughs> price. It's a record. I said, I don't need it. It's a record based price. And then yeah. the price kept going up and up and up. Yeah. I actually think I could have got it higher, but mm. I had told him, look, at this price, I'll sell just for the sake of it because yeah. you've put so much work into it. Yeah. And I actually reckon the buyers would have gone higher. Mm. But, but anyway, uh, we sold at that price, bro. But the reason I was able to do that was because I was in the mind frame of I do not want to sell, mm. and it actually made me think like, okay, well, whenever I'm selling things in the in the future, only sell in the mind frame of I do not want to sell exactly because right. you know then whoever re- if someone really wants it, yeah, um, um, they, they, they'll have to they'll you know, pay for it. They'll have they'll to pay, pay for, for it. it. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, I mean, if you've got that luxury to hold down. Of course, I mean for a vendor, it, it makes plenty of sense. I mean, but there's a lot of there's a lot of situations where people don't have that luxury. You know, there's there's there may be there may be you know something happening in their partnership or you know things like that where you know off market transactions we get called in to actually come in because they know we've got vetted clients that can transact and you know we're, we're sympathetic with certain situations as well. You know, whether it's a divorce or whether it's you know so so that that presents you know buying a buying opportunity. But so. you yeah, so you would. In, in actual fact, you would tell your client if, if they were buying off me, that like the house, for example, yeah. stay away from that guy because you're not going to find a good deal there. 
fuck him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, so um, yeah, you would, t- you would help them find the opportunities where the owners need to sell. Could Correct. be any reason, but like you, the business going down, doesn't need to be there anymore, uh, business partners split up, divorce, like all these, there's a bunch of reasons so things many. can happen. And a lot of the, and, and I assume a lot of the time that would cause off-market opportunities because they don't want the public to know of a feud or exactly of right. a change or of a sale. They, they want to just keep it hush-hush, which For is sure. pretty much most of the eastern suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you guys are a great, a great way to do that. So they'll come to you and be like, hey, look, this is happening. We want to sell this, but we don't want it on the market. And then you guys can go to your to your buyers and be like, hey, look, this is an opportunity we have that's not live. Exactly. I mean, the amount of times we've got to sign confidentiality agreements and things like that. I mean, that's we've got to treat every situation on its own merit. So. Yeah. And, um, and how are you finding – uh, leadership at the moment. Uh, I know you, you've got a very fast growing team. I always see your job ads going up. Yeah. Is it something, uh, is it something really new to you in terms of having to, because when you've got this company, you've got to build a culture of your own, you know, it's your culture and you're always high paced and moving around the place exactly. and back and forth. And, yeah. and, you know, I guess what have you learned uh, in terms of leadership uh, since, since operating this company? So I, I can definitely say one thing. What, what, Definitely for sure it, it have to be the high energy would have to attest to what we do in the business. So what what we do is every morning we start off. I mean, everyone sort of checks in with, you know, WhatsApp group or, you know, we, we all check in whether it's, um, you know, training, gym, 5am, I'm up early, always, always out for a run or straight into the gym. Because yeah, um, we live in the same building and exactly I see right. you get home from your runs. Exactly right. Um, to, you know, if it's not a training or a gym, you know, if it's a meditation, I always encourage anyone that's going to be starting off in, in our team that, you know, you've, you've got to be able to be up early. I mean, it's essentially, we don't, I don't mind if you're, if you're not grinding away in the gym, but at least get up, meditate or get up and do, do whatever you need to do in the morning before you get started. Because I mean, our clients need to know, they feel that energy, they feel the positivity. So we need to make sure that we are sharp. Like we, we're going into, into the day that we, we know exactly what's going on. So I completely agree with everything you just said yep. because, and it's a little bit controversial as well in terms of, oh, you know, someone's on our team, they should get up early yep. because I don't know, Lazy people like, oh, you can't make people do that. But yeah. fuck those people because yeah. because if you want a high-performing team, energy is everything. Yep. If there's positivity, I know you're super positive. I mean, I had a big speech this morning in, in our morning meeting yep. about what are the wins for the day, positivity, win the day, blah, blah, blah. But energy creates positivity, which creates results. You know, you can't control so much of the things that are happening, particularly at the moment, COVID's on, COVID's off, what's going on? We'll get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. You can't control so much with the economy, so many things, but what you can control is ignoring all of that and focusing on your team and the energy. Spot on. Yeah, energy, you can control energy. Exactly right. And even starting early, I, like we always at Cub have had like the team is in the office at 8.30. Now yep. I know that's not as early as you guys, yep. but most companies, yeah, we, we're all, we have to be in at nine. Yep. You know, at nine, you get in at nine and everyone bums around for half an hour, does an exactly. hour, they get a yeah. coffee, catch up with each other, as you know, yep. and, and then work starts at 10. And yep. you know, we're in at 8.30. Most, I mean, most of the guys at the office are in at 7.30. Mm. 8.30, everyone gets in. Uh, they have a quick catch up, and then by nine o'clock, we're well into our day. We're 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 pumping along, and it also creates people. It gets people waking up earlier, which gets them going to sleep earlier, which means that they're probably, you know, being healthier exactly. in terms of they're not out that night or they're not you know doing dinners and things like that. And I, I just think early starts promote a winning culture. I mean, not all companies are the same, but we. I can. What I'm saying is, I relate to that. We do exactly. That. 
Um, we definitely do that as well. And how are you finding um, the uh, the cultural symmetry between Costi Cohen and Cohen Handler? Is it the same culture or is it different because uh, obviously Costi Cohen has the Costi? Exactly. Um, look, I think from our end, I mean, we we obviously share the same office. Um, we're, we're, we're very different in the fact of what we're looking for. Um, so we're looking for very different types of properties. You know, you've got one side of the office that's talking about five bedrooms, two bathrooms and one car spot where we're talking about, you know, square meter rates and leasing rates and um, and very technical terms. I mean, we're, we're completely different in that sense. But, I mean, there, there's there's an alignment there where, where it, it is still a young, vibrant office. I mean, there's still high energy. There's still, you know, very hardworking people within the office, um, which which I, I think just having that office culture is super important. Yeah, And, and you guys... And, and Correct. even during this lockdown, I mean, it's it's we're finding that you know even the staff, the staff are reaching out to each other, staff are helping you know, each other, helping each other, mm. helping each other where necessary. And you guys have a great office in Double Bay next to Mateo, so exactly it's very right. convenient to be social. Exactly. But and, and why don't you just tell tell us a little bit about finding a great like in commercial property, right? Yep. Because a lot of people, they especially first um, when they first start building their property portfolio, things like that. Obviously, a lot of it's residential, mm. but it gets to a point, um, uh, like myself at the moment, where uh, commercial is becoming the, the new focus uh, for a multitude of reasons. But, but I guess what? How does commercial work? Because I know when I got into it, it was very different. Like there were, you work out the value based on a certain yield for how, what is exactly. all? I was like, what the yeah. Well, look, everyone's situation is different, right? You've got developers, you've got investors, you've got owner occupiers. So they're they're essentially the three. Investors are chasing an income, so they're chasing a yield. Um, developers, they're looking to add value to the property, so they're either looking to knock down, rebuild, they're looking to put units, they're looking to put, you know, commercial or new commercial property up there. Um, but then you've also got you've also got owner occupiers, so they're looking for a new home for their business. So, um, you know, they you know we, we've we've helped a lot of clients in the past. You know, some obviously some club uh, club clients as well. Mm. So you've actually had them where they said, look, we, we need a bigger space, or we need you know, a new home to go into, um, these are the parameters. It's almost like finding someone a house. Um, so they're, they're essentially the three types of client, okay, client and classes. So, and so the owner-occupiers, like, because yep. we did that, when you're owner-occupier, you can't borrow as much, can't, can you? Oh, look, it just it just depends on everyone's, everyone's situation. Or their so, personal situation. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and then investors, they're looking for the yield. Yep. Okay. But it's really cool to know the three different types of, of uh, commercial investors. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's really about thinking to yourself – uh, which one am I? Am I looking to add value to a property yep. and then release it? Mm-hmm. Um, am I looking to um, develop it or am I looking to to, to keep it my own? What are some strategies though? Because like I've got um, a friend who owns a huge amount of uh, like CBD property. Awesome. Mostly on Pitt and, and King Street. Great spot. And I know that uh, his strategy – yeah, fuck. Great spot. <laughs> Super expensive spot. Yeah. But I know his strategy is very much – buy um, ultra high premium locations and assets, yeah. um, typically buying them off um, your family offices that have owned them for years and, you know, they, they, their business doesn't need to be that, that – that was their head office. They, they can move out now and they, they don't need it anymore. They bought it for nothing and now it's worth $100 million. Of course. And, and um, he, he would come in, he buys these assets, he does them up and he puts in huge brands with long, long-term leases – uh, into the assets. And that's basically all he does. He finds great uh, old assets in good positions, buys them, modernizes them, and then gives them to these huge brands for, for huge leases. Yep. Um, so 
that's obviously a strategy. Of course. People, what are some others that you, you've noticed uh, happening? So, it's, I mean, one, one thing that we're, we definitely do get a lot of, we get a lot of people that come to us with, you know, X amount of dollars to spend and they're like, okay, how can we spend it? So, you know, we run through, well, do you want to develop? So if you want to develop, do you want to do residential development? Do you want to look at, you know, building anywhere from a duplex up to, you know, a thousand units? Do you want to develop a commercial property where, you know, you, you might already know someone that can lease a space off you? Um, so maybe do you want to develop a, say, industrial property that you can get a tenant straight in there and start earning an income? So you're, so in that situation, you're saying the buyers, so at the moment buyers and tenants are partnering up before the space is even there. Correct. It's like a pre-commitment. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. So let's say I go up to Dior yeah. and I'm like, hey, Dior, you're looking for a new space. I want to buy a new space. What yeah. about if I find a space and then you – so they're actually doing that. Exactly right. And I would go buy the space. Obviously, I wouldn't. They'd need a very expensive space. Yeah. But, <laughs> but And Dior would move straight in. So that's something that happens in the market. Of course. Yeah. Definitely. That's and it, it happens from every scale. I mean, it happens from from this, the lower end right up to the higher end. I mean, you've got, you know, funds that are doing it with major brands like, you know, say Woolworths or – you know, on logistics. I mean, there's a lot of different strategies. And that's and always happened? Exactly right. So, yeah. and, and, and like another thing people can do, I'd assume, is like you'd buy, I mean, you could find, even with a small commercial asset, yep. right? Like something that I would buy as an investment. Yep. You can buy a great investment, a small block in, a small building in Double Bay or wherever, you, wherever mm-hmm. you'd be buying it, Parramatta. Yep. And you could be like, okay, well, we could definitely fix this up, invest a hundred grand, make it look great, and we think we can increase the rental yield by X, therefore automatically increasing the value of the property. Exactly right. And and in turn, you actually you build up your equity in the property, meaning that you can then borrow right. against that and then buy your next property. And come back to you guys and buy more. Exactly right. Round two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. It's, it's commercial's so cool. But but there are risks, isn't there? Like of course. the difference with commercial is with, with residential, people are paying their rent. Yeah, like they are going to pay their rent. They've well, it got- depends. I mean, you've got like you've got you know because there are, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of residential property out there. You know, you you will definitely find someone out there to, to lease your property. Yep. But at the same time, you know, people lose their jobs, things yep. like that. People might not be inclined as much to pay their rent. So- yeah, the first bill people pay is their is their home is their mm. rent. But but with commercial, an issue people can have is that um, uh, like let's say uh, your tenant goes broke and. And sometimes it takes six months to find a new tenant to take a space. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, but usually, I mean, if, if you know, the lease is negotiated properly yep. and you've had the right advice, you, you may have like a three-month bank guarantee. You might have a six-month bank guarantee around that. So you can protect, yep. you know, tenant going bust. Because that um, does, that does, that is one of the factors that, that causes commercial to be purchased from people that, uh, the high net worth people. Correct. Because they, kept, they could afford to, to kind of, Hold, hold the assets in those periods. exactly right, and I think I think that's that's an important part when when you're buying an investment, for example, right? You want to make sure that you know when you're buying the investment, the tenant is the tenant checks out, yeah. the tenant's lease checks out, doing doing the right due diligence by buying that investment, so make sure you know your, your tenant's not going to go broke in a year's time. Um, but I, I think I think essentially is 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 making sure that when say if you are looking to to sort of add value in a commercial property and you are putting a, a new tenant on board that you you can actually make sure that there's a viability behind the tenant that you're actually putting into the property as well. And so you're obviously helping your, uh, you, I guess uh, the your experienced clients know all of this type of stuff. Of but course. When you have people just getting into the commercial market, you help them. Always. You make sure that, and that's one of the values that you exactly right. Bring. 
Exactly right. Awesome, man. And tell me, what about areas of which um, are currently the best to be investing in commercial property? What are areas where there are, you'd say, good buys for your clients? I think right now, um, one thing that everyone's saying right now is stay away from the city. Why? Like for the top end of town, if people people have a bit of money to spend, people are saying stay away from the city because there's no there's no one in the city. Yeah. Um, you know, there's leasing. There's a bit of leasing risk around the city. Yeah. But if, if people have time to buy in the city and hold out, I mean, the city is always going to be the city, right? Yeah. Or, you know, around the CBD is going to be always is always going to be beneficial. There's a lot of money being poured into regional yeah. assets right now. So um, being able to actually buy within sort of your metropolitan Sydney is always is always going to be able to see, have that, your capital growth. Uh, so see, that's the problem with property though. It's property is fantastic, particularly commercial, if you're cashed. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm such a pro-business person because <laughs> yeah. business gives you cash. Yeah. You know, right now, if I could afford if I have money, I can go buy something in the CBD and I can buy it cheap while while the city's empty and no one's buying there, people are buying regional. Like in two years' time, I've just you know, I've made a huge amount of money by holding that asset and, mm. and, and, and you know, the city comes back roaring, the economy roars, we're, we all get jabbed and COVID's gone and, and, and you know, you win. But you can't do that type of stuff with property unless you have the funds, eh? Exactly right. But that, it doesn't mean you have to buy a $100 million building. Like you could you could buy maybe something on the outskirts, you know, two or three or four million mm. that you do have Space, the time. Yeah. Exactly right. And and that you know that there will be capital growth there. And I'm not it may not be it may not be like a Sydney C B D. It might be a Parramatta C B D. Might be, mm. you know, something that, you know, near train stations, near, you know, it has to be around amenities. Like make sure, you know, the the asset you're buying is a box ticker. Um, and so what are some of those boxes? Yeah, and that's a good point. So, yeah, look, the city's out of the reach for most people. Of course. So what are other areas of which people can look to invest? It could be anywhere. I mean, I've always I've always been the biggest advocate of, say, you know, your metropolitan Brisbane, metropolitan Sydney, metropolitan Queensland, right? So, like, around around your sort of CBD hubs. But then even if you were to go regional areas, I mean, there's there's also great towns. There's great, there's great amenity, okay? Great shopping centers, new new development being poured into these regional areas. That you know, if if you're if I'm going to be buying an asset and I know there's three thousand homes going up near me, that I know that I'm going to be able to get the benefit of the of the capital growth in in those in those homes being built. So, but again, most people won't know that. But you you guys, of course, kind of we, we can tick those boxes. I mean, we know what's happening in these areas. So. Um, making sure that you've you've got a plan, you've got a strategy, and making sure that yes, I want to. Oh, this is my budget, but being able to then box tick from there is is, is essential. You know, having a train station nearby, huge plus. Why huge is that? Plus. Just, it, it it just creates that traffic, traffic flow. Yeah, correct. I mean, and 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 just being at that transport. I mean, having you know bus routes, having things like that. Just making sure that you you can tick those boxes is, is key for a lot of a lot of these commercial assets. And um and. Uh, tell me, because your family, I guess, the major business, not in property. Yeah. Um, what made you kind of look elsewhere to to family businesses and kind of forge your own path? Was it look actually- one thing? One thing I was in. I remember being in the fish shop with dad, and I remember I was getting out. <laughs> I hate you smelling like fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing. I mean, it, it was it was sort of you know it would have been like six or seven years old, and one thing he did. We we're unloading the truck, you know, that they used to get up early, go to the fish markets at say three or four, four o'clock in the morning, get back, deliver the fish back to the fish shop and say eight o'clock in the morning, he used to, uh, I remember getting off the truck one day and we're standing behind the truck. Everyone's offloading the truck with a new fish for, to sell for the day. Um, and one of the happy, he just, he called me. He's like, one thing I never want you to do is end up back in fish. <laughs> 
do anything but this industry. Why? Uh, it's just such it's, a money making industry, though. You know, when you go to the fish markets yeah. and you just see so like just all the people there, just like I'm sure, I'm certain yeah. those, the the. the like the, but it, the it's tough. It's tough what's though. the other ones? Um, Claudia's. Claudia's. Yeah. All these companies must be making. Must um, be uh, they do cash. well. I mean, but there's a lot of hard work. It's a seven day business. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's not, not to say that we're not, I mean, we're available seven days, but at the same time, I mean, there's, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Um, and, and why was it that, a lot of Greeks got into the fish market. I actually don't know. Like my you know family were or? farm people, so I don't know how they got to see. I mean, they, I don't think they had fishing experience. They, they, I, many of them don't even know how to fish, so <laughs> they know how to sell fish. But they, it was never like a. It was never like oh, we've got to go out fishing and and bring the fish back. It was um, it was like we, we've got cattle and we've got farms. So and your family like that. were like in farming in Greece. Farming in 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 Cyprus. And in, sorry, Cyprus, in, Greece. In Cyprus, yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, they, they didn't. They never nowhere even near a, a water, so they weren't near the ocean to actually go out and start fishing and bring back fish. So How interesting. But then yeah. they came here and you, you they all they, ended they all up into, into, fish. into the fish industry. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So I think one ended up, you know, they, they started off in the coal mines. So yeah. they were in Wollongong. They started off in the coal mines and they, they came up to Maroubra and they opened up the first fish and chip shop. Okay. And then from there they started, they, they were doing like these, these routes where they were bringing up fish from Wollongong and things like that. And then, you know, all of a sudden one's opened up in Parkley Markets and then the other one's opened up in Paddy's Markets and, you know, Granville. And then everyone just started and then everyone realised there was a bit of money to be made in fish. So they the whole family jumped in fish. Do you know what's so – so what, what generation of your family migrated here? Because um, your parents was, were born it was my here, grand, It was they? my grandparents. Yeah, so my grand, grandfather was out here when he was seven. Ah. Yeah, so it was, was actually my great-grandfather brought the whole family out here. I got told a story from um, a friend of ours actually yeah. and he was saying he, he's they're Italians and his family um, were like in farming in Italy and when they migrated over they looked at – they were looking for like farmland, like, you know, land to, to grow things yeah. and they were this close to buying like acres in Bondi. Oh, no. <laughs> and they didn't These buy, stories. I know, uh, and they didn't buy yeah, it because yeah, of all yeah. the salt in the soil from the beach. Exactly. They're like, oh, I can't grow anything here. So they yeah. went out west and bought yeah. the land and now they're like, fuck, that would have been <laughs> exactly like 300 right. million. I mean, it was a very similar story with ours. I mean, they they opened up in Maruba. They were, they were lining up a, a life in the east and then they and all of a sudden they thought, you know, well, let's go to Liverpool and, and open up. I mean, Liverpool's <laughs> – a lot bit worth a lot now, especially yeah. if you've got acreage. But really? I mean, at the time, it, they weren't buying. They weren't buying acreage. They bought suburbia. So you know, they they opened up out here, they, out there. They lived out there. They grew up families out there. And then we've we've all of a sudden made our way back to back to the east. Back but I mean, east. but I mean, that, that's the other thing for us is that you know, being if they didn't do that, I wouldn't have known life past you know, say the east. I mean, a lot of people that are in the east, they they sort of they all they really know is this, unless you've got businesses outside. We, I, I actually grew up out there and made mm. my way back in. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm with Shani and I'm driving around. She's like, how do you know all these restaurants out in the West and, and greater West and being able to travel? So, mm. um, yeah, well, you've got a, it's particularly, well, that's an advantage when it comes to property because you've got a much broader perspective of property and different levels of investment. Exactly right. Uh, and, that, that's and that's a huge why, advantage. And, and that's why like anyone that comes on board with us, like staff wise, I'm saying, I, I, the first thing I say to him is, you know, read and understand the map of, of Sydney, you know, while you're in Sydney or 
read and understand this. Like, uh, <laughs> know like, what happens after the Anzac Bridge and after exactly the right. Harbour Bridge. Exactly right. Like study yeah. it. Understand like, it. <laughs> like go and drive there. Go and see what's there. Go and look at the stations. Go like with if you don't know what you're buying, if you don't know these areas, you don't you don't you don't actually experience it. So that, like, and that's the, where a lot of great the great buyers are. That's of where course. The, that's, and that's where a lot of accessible of property. A lot of our a lot, a lot of our largest clients are out that way. Do you know what I mean? And we yeah. I grew up out that way. So. Yeah. Um, be, being able to being able to leverage off both, you know, the the wealth that that's out there and the wealth that's here, and being able to develop, I think for us, it's it's a huge part of our business. So. And what's your opinion on Potts Point at the moment? Because a lot of people always ask me, oh, why did you buy in Potts Point for the clubhouse? What you yeah. know, why is the clubhouse in Potts Point? What made you choose that? And yeah. I've got my reasons, which I'll share. But uh, I'm curious to to your point. Oh, you've just moved to Potts Point, exactly as well. right? I'm a huge uh, advocate. Potts Point's the best suburb in the oh, country. It's got to be one of the best for it sure. It really is. Yeah. Like someone that grew up overseas yeah. and was used to the city and uh, like that type of lifestyle, you don't have that in lifestyle in, in Australia. Like you can't yeah. you can't even live in Sydney City. There's nothing there. Like exactly. some apartments, but I, yeah. I don't know anyone that lives there. Exactly right. And Potts Point's like, it's like New York style living. Exactly. In, and in, there's, there's, it's got a long way to go. Like there's a lot of growth there and it's coming off the back of – you know, say you're, you're a bit of a stigma with King's Cross at the time, but now all that's changing. You walk up Maclay Street, you walk up King's Cross Road, and you're like, wow, like there's, you know, new patisseries and new things like that. Remember how I was saying and it's before? It's all been redone. Exactly as well. right. It's a box ticker. So mm. remember how I was saying before, like making sure that you're near station. One, it's got a station. Mm-hmm. You walk downstairs, you've got, you know, Woolworths, you've got Harris Farm, mm. you've got, you know, some of the best, some of the best restaurants. restaurants. Parks. It's incredible. And, you know, yeah, and that was why. So, like, when I was choosing a clubhouse, I, at that point in time, I didn't know if Cub was going to work. Yeah. So um, I d- couldn't go in the city because it was too expensive. I didn't have that money anyway. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be – a lot of our – the members either you know, work in the city or live in the eastern suburbs or, or or thereabouts around or, you know, don't even if they don't live in the city or work in the city. Yeah. yeah sometimes the city was hard to get into. What's a more central location people could get to but it's still a high-end location? And that's how I got Potts Point. Plus, yeah. I live in Potts Point, so it was easy for me. But exactly, that was box one. Yeah. But, um, but it's in between the city and the eastern suburbs, which yeah. is incredibly convenient. Yeah. Um, if people are there, they can get to the city very easy. But also, Potts Point is still largely in some parts a shithole. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it still sucks in some, yeah. some parts. It's the best suburb in the country. Exactly right. And then other parts, it's literally just it's just shit. Exactly. And that means that there's huge growth opportunity. Because imagine if the whole Potts Point was was the nice pots point. Exactly. Imagine how much value. It'd already be a premium. Yeah. It'd already be a premium. It, that's why That's why I'm saying like. The value like, of the clubhouse will skyrocket. Exactly. Like I've, I've had a few people reach out to me that are looking at commercial property, they're looking at development sites in the area. I'm like, you cannot go wrong. Mm. You cannot go wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got, you've got the best, the best of the best around here. You've got, you know, I mean, as you know, there's a lot of wealth out here. Yeah. Um, and it's really, sorry, I don't want to drag on Potts Point and say, oh, there's parts of it, there's shit. Potts, all, Potts <laughs> Point, all Potts Point's good. The government just needs to fix the cross because they've just left it as like a dump now. It's basically, there's nothing there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a couple left, like there's just nothing there. Yeah. They need to, they need to uh, clean out all the, clean it up. Yep. Maybe get the junkies out of there. Yep. yep. Let, allowing business to come in yep. and therefore, you know, uh, fix up the the buildings, fix up the streets. Capital, capital business just fixes things. 100%. It, it brings money and it needs to f- make things nicer so that people, customers are attracted. Exactly right. And when customers are there, it brings a vibe so more people go and then more money comes and then the suburb then creates. But right now it's uninhabitable by yeah, business. Exactly A business right. cannot survive in there and therefore it doesn't go. Yeah. So please, government, 
<laughs> listen and just fix the fucking cross yeah, because yeah. it will it will make the whole it, it will become the greatest suburb in um, in the country and and I believe it's going to happen and that's why exactly. a lot of my investments are in Potts Point. Exactly, they invest in Potts Point. But the, again, I mean, it, it it just goes to show. I mean, you you go down King's Cross Road right now. It is like you said, uninhabitable. Like you you cannot you can't start a business there. But I think one thing is for sure is that like I've all, anyone with a vision can see that that is going to be like a row of designer shops. Like Victoria Street's going to be it's going to be incredible. It's going to be some of the, the highest end homes. Like you can see that's what's happening with Potts Point, and I think that's why you know myself. I'm the biggest biggest advocate of Potts Point. Um, why I live here. Um, but I mean, again, everywhere's got its own beauties, but I think that's what's Potts Point's beauty is that you, you definitely have, you're able to leverage off the downstairs, a lot of the businesses, a lot of the, the people that have been here for years and they've mm. seen the generations. I mean, even Potts Point, Potts Point has it had its up and downs, but at the same time, I think, I think being able to make sure you, 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 you know, start a business and being able to regentrify the area, I think that's going to be a huge part of Potts Point. Got to happen. Got mm. to happen. For my investment's sake, especially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I just think it's a great song. Yeah. But anyway, let's wrap up. Before we do, um, can you share with us, uh, I guess, um, something you do yep. yourself that yep. others could implement that you think, you know, would be good for people to implement, uh, whether it be in your daily life or things you do in your business? Yeah. Like I said before, I think, you know, early morning training, I, I don't think you can ever, ever, ever. I, I think from that, being able to set up your day in the right way is huge. Um what I find a, a lot of people do as well is, you know, just I, I think a huge part, I mean, it's, it's something so basic, right? But, you know, being able to just listen to people, like actually sit there and listen to people, like being able to, I, I think that's where the majority of my learning actually takes place because there's so many, there's so many people that just talk, 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 talk all the time. But I think, I think actually listening, actually taking a step back and being able, okay, understanding what people's business does. And I mean, that's, that's what essentially what I do for a living is what do you want to buy? It's up to you to tell me. I mean, like, what? I think that's a big part. Um, and then, and then being able to be, I think, I think especially in 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 um, in, in light of sort of everyone's business, I think it's it's just being able to understand understand sort of people in, in sort of the way they do things. I mean, that's and that's a big part of listening, a big part of being able to set, set up your day right. Um, it's all about that routine. So listening um, is very is crucial. I'll yeah. tell you a story. Yeah. When we first started doing the podcast. Yeah. You know, we're like on the 80th episodes or something now. Really? Yeah. Anyway, big accomplishment. But, it's huge. But um, but when I first started listening to yeah. myself, in the so you never listen to yourself speak, yeah. you know, very rarely. I'm sure I will after when, this. You will. Yeah. Try, yeah. <laughs> you sound great. You've oh, you got a good voice too. Oh, I never perfect. realized. I never heard yeah. you in a microphone. I should be but, on radio. But you should. Yeah. But, but um, your face is too pretty for radio. <laughs> <laughs> you should be in TV. But, but um, when I first started listening to myself, I was like, fuck, how annoying am I? Yeah. I always interrupt and I jump in and I've been doing it more lately because I stopped listening to myself. So in the re- more recent episodes, I can hear it creak. Like it must be a habit of mine that, you know, I, I, I'm not a good listener is my point. Like I'm yeah. always like, like yeah. <laughs> you can see even with the cameras when we film, when I think yeah. of something I want to say, I'm like, yeah. oh, like I'm, trying to, yeah. I'm trying to say it too quick. Yeah. But a lot of time it's like, hey, just chill out and just listen. Let, mm. let someone speak and, and, and that gets you a long way with managing your team, it gets you a long way with, make, with making a sale. Yeah. It gets you a long way with all. It makes people like you more. Yeah, because they can say, "Well, he's, he's actually listening to he's me." He's actually listening. Listen, yeah. don't get me wrong. I can talk. Yeah. <laughs> I can talk. <laughs> like like this 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 podcast can go on for hours if you really <laughs> wanted it to. But um, but at the same time, I think I think just making sure that you just you you, you just pick up so much when you just listen to people. Mm-hmm. People got so much to value. Like think about the questions that we've just covered today. Like you know, getting all the way back to, to the start. I think just people seeing people's journey, what they're doing today, what they're actually doing tomorrow. 
um, I think that's I think that's a huge part. It, 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 it takes part in, in especially what everyone does. So. Totally agree. Yeah. And why don't uh, do you want people to reach out to you somehow, or yeah, how, of can course. They get, how can they get in contact? LinkedIn, Instagram, um, you know, email. I think, What's I your think LinkedIn? Um, LinkedIn is just um, Taz Costi, or we, we could just reach out to reach out to Costi Cohen, um, the Costi yeah. Cohen page. Um, Instagram T- just T A S. T A S C O S T A Z. Yeah, exactly. The right. saving my phone is T A Z since I was fourteen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Instagram just T J Costi. But anyone, I mean, I'm sure we can we can provide all the links and things like that. Awesome. So. And if you want, go to cup.club forward slash podcast uh, to find out more information about Taz, uh, his uh, business Costi Cohen, which is going to be our country's biggest, best servicing, leading uh, commercial buyers agency. Taz is a a beautiful friend of mine, uh, an amazing person. Uh, He's got an incredible business partner in Simon Cohen, who's also uh, a great friend of mine and and, um, a founding member of Cub. It's going to be an incredible business. I can't wait to see um, uh, it keep succeeding and, and what it turns into over the time. And what's most important about this episode is that you've got an episode before our our other best friend, Christopher. Ashton. Oh, listen, it was it was inevitable. I was always going to have an episode yeah. before him anyway. Well, you've got to have something valuable so you actually get <laughs> on show. Exactly. So, Chris, look, maybe soon. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> um, thank you so much for, for – Thanks for having me. For today. Thank you for coming up the elevator for me. <laughs> <laughs> and to the listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks, guys.